Hello, my name is John Tonsi, and welcome to the Connect Podcast with Indianola First Assembly. And I'm Joel Simpson, and our goal is to build community and relationships through sharing life experiences and God stories to inspire and connect with each other on a deeper level. Today we get to sit down and talk with Norma Bash. Before we get started, I wanted to share an article that Norma Bash shared with us before we interviewed her. And it's an article written in the newspaper about her and her husband. It's titled, City Couple Finds New Life on Farm. For Mr. and Mrs. Robert J. Bash, Route 3 Indianola farming full-time is a dream come true. A dream that began at an age when many farmers have already begun to plan and work towards retirement. Bob and Norma might interpret their dream by saying, life does begin at 40. Bob Bash was born and raised in Des Moines. Norma Stapleford, later to become Mrs. Bash, was born in Milo. She lived there until her early teens when she moved with her family to Des Moines. Bob and Norma first met while attending Des Moines Open Bible College and were married June 24, 1950. Three months later, he was off to serve in the armed forces and spent 11 months in Korea. After returning home, he continued in his occupation as trucker and in 1958 accepted employment at John Deere Des Moines Works. It was in 1955 that the Bashes first began to think about living on a farm. Weekly visits with farm friends in the Winterset area helped inspire the couple to seek a farm career. In 1964, the Bashes sold their Des Moines property and moved to a 60-acre farm purchased from Roy Hatcher, seven miles south of Indianola. The small farm was purchased with the idea of someday enlarging their operations. Farming part-time and still working for John Deere, Bob Bash found himself gradually assuming the role of a farmer. I didn't know one end of a plow from the other, he says. I couldn't have made it without help and encouragement from our neighbors. They were welcome advice many times prevented us from doing the wrong things. The Bashes continued to work on the small farm, always keeping in mind their goal of owning a larger one, possibly after their son's graduation from high school. Then in fall of 1970, they saw a classified ad for a man to farm 560 acres on a livestock crop share basis. After an interview and later discussions with the owner, George C. Carpenter of Indianola, an agreement was reached. Mr. and Mrs. Bash listed their 60-acre farm for sale. Financial agreements had been completed in order to acquire machinery and livestock and for other purchases necessary for the larger operation. It wouldn't have been possible without the Indianola Bank, Bash said. The bank officers were very congenial and you might say made it possible for our dream to come true. Bash quit his job with John Deere and March 1, 1971, along with his wife and two teenagers, moved to the Carpenter Farm seven miles east of Indianola. The move was made knowing it would be necessary for Mrs. Bash to assume much of the work. She operates the tractor, discs, helps with the hay crop, and sorts hogs. During the spring planting and harvest, she prepares meals for those helping in the fields. Most of our help is by volunteer hands, not hired, she explains. When we moved from Des Moines to the 60-acre farm, Bash said, we were surrounded with wonderful neighbors. Without them, we wouldn't have survived. When we moved here, we found the neighbors just as helpful. We have one especially close neighbor who helps and gives me good advice. The Indianola banker has also been a big help. For example, in order to determine the amount of horsepower actually needed, he advised Bob to rent a tractor the first year instead of buying one. The rented tractor proved to be too small. A larger one was purchased at the end of the year. The Bashes row crop 177 acres of corn and 154 acres of soybeans 
have a herd of 37 cows and feed 500 to 600 pigs. They sell fat hogs every two weeks and farrow approximately 25 sows every two months. The family belongs to the Indianola Assembly of God Church, where Mr. Bash serves on the board, teaches the adult Sunday school class, and serves as a song leader. Mrs. Bash is president of WNC, serves as missionette leader, and issues the weekly church bulletin. She is also a member of the Ackworth Garden Club. The Bash's son, Bob, 17, will be a senior at Indianola High School, where he is active in sports, and their daughter, Sandy, was married last December to Harold Morris of Des Moines, where the couple now resides. Asked what he had learned from farming, Bash replied, I learned that with all the heartaches and disappointments that come, there's a lot of gratification from seeing a new calf born and a crop harvested. Norma, tell us how you first started coming to Indianola first. How did I first start coming? Yeah. To Indianola? Well, we were wanting to move to the country, and we decided that uh, we would start going to the First Assembly God Church and liked it so well, we bought a farm, and that's how we ended up here. And then we liked the church so well. You just stuck around. That we liked it. You moved from Des Moines? You, you were living in Des Moines before you came to Indianola, or you were in Milo, or where were we you? We lived in Milo, and then uh, there were five of us children. We were all small, and... Well, I was in the sixth grade, and we were younger children, and went to the Open Bible Church, and I got saved when I was very young, and then I decided that I wanted to go to the Open Bible College, and I graduated from there, and met Bob through the Open Bible main open Bible church, the big one. And uh, so we ended up getting married and, and ended up coming down here to church. Can you tell us a little bit more about growing up? As a child? Yeah. Um, I would cry and cry if I couldn't go to Sunday school. And so finally, a lady walked me up to one of the churches, and I got acquainted with the people, and I started going there. We ended up moving to Des Moines, and I was in the, I think I was in the sixth grade then. I went to Amos Hyatt. I don't know what grade they are, but anyway, I went there. And uh, of course, by then, I was really into church and loved it. I would even walk from the east side over to uh, First Assembly on the west side. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Walk the whole way? Just had to walk across the bridge and and get over there. Then uh, that's when I met Bob at the Open Bible Church, the big one. He saw me, he wanted to meet me. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about that. Where I first met Bob was at the Open Bible College. I was sitting there waiting for 
to be interviewed for something, and he happened to be in the same room waiting for one of his friends. And it was kind of all put on because they all knew that he would like to meet me. (laughs) And so anyway, he met me, and then he went back to his little church, Assembly God, Open Bible Assembly God Church, and uh, said he found the girl he was going to marry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first time he saw you, he was like, that's the, that's the one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we were engaged about two months after, and, and then he had to go into, he got called back into the service. He was in World War II. Mm. And then he was on call that he would go back. And so we got married one day, and the next day, when we got home that first day from getting married, he said, I'm going to get a phone call. So the next day he got a phone call that he had to go over. Oh, wow. Went in the service right away. And that was hard. Oh, I bet it was, yeah. So, anyway, and I can't remember what year it was that he came back. Oh, it's there somewhere. You're okay. What What year did you guys get married? We got married in uh, June the 14th, 1950. 1950, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he got called away. Wow. And he got called away. Going back to your family growing up, you said you were one of five kids. Were you the were you the oldest or what? Uh, I was the middle child. Middle child. Oh, you got to watch out for those middle kids. What were you like as a kid? Bashful. Ornery. You are you an ornery kid? <laughs> was an ornery. No, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe it? No. <laughs> No, I was a good one. Yeah. When you were in Milo, were you on a farm? Did you did you grow up on a, on a farm in Milo? No. Nope, you lived in town? In town, in a little house. Did you go right into Milo, and then you turn and go past the schoolhouse. And the first turn, then you turn down and go down the big hill. And, of course, the house was lower, you know, the hill, it was lower, and um, then the sidewalk was a little higher, going the big dip, and the big tree there, so the first thing I had to have put up was a swing. (laughs) (laughs) That was the fun part. Then I always had, I always had church in the back of our house. When you were a kid? When I was a kid. I had church in the back of my house. And then I heard about the Bible, Bible schools, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had in our house, you go out the door, and then it went out quite a bit, and then it dipped, and then it set back a little. And I always had my Sunday school class church right there. What was your first job? My first job was at the Silver's 
downtown in Des Moines on the east side. And what did they do? Uh, like a department store. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Clothing and everything. That was my first job. Did you try on all the clothes? Was that, was that what you did? Or did you just do sales? I sold. You sold it? But I could try on, too. Yeah. <laughs> what about your, your first car? What was your first car? My first car? Yeah. Oh, my first car. Well, the one thing that was amazing was uh, I really drove a lot after we moved from Des Moines because I drove my son to school every day. And that's about as far, just a few miles as I went. I liked the car. It gave me a lot of freedom. And I could go and I could help people out. There were a lot who needed help. There was a family that I ended up being real close to the girl, two girls. But it started out with me helping them to get somewhere and get started and and we became very good friends. That's cool when you are just open to being used by God and how he, he that he can use you for for ministry and to touch people if you're just available. Mm-hmm. You know, and just look at every opportunity to minister to people, to love on people. You have to be open. You have to be open to and it's no pretense about it. It's it's there, and you have to use it. Mm-hmm. Like I smile at him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Norma. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes it's just a simple smile. It's just a word of encouragement. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just being focused on other people. You know, mm-hmm. many times we get so busy and we're, we're focused just about us, and it's just being aware of people around us and being available for God to use us to, to love on people or minister mm. um, and just be kind. Yes, to be kind, that is so important. Mm-hmm. Don't look at someone grouchy, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, and just how much you can just yeah, brighten somebody's day. You just don't know what people are going through I know. at that time. And so just it's being hard. that light. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I know when Bob first got sick and ended up, you know, it was awful hard on him. But he still was never grouchy. Mm-hmm. He was a blessing. It's, there's, a, there's a good lesson to learn there, you know, and, and definitely how sometimes we can, we can be down on ourselves because of mm-hmm. our situation, you know, and just choosing to, just choosing joy, mm-hmm. you know, and choosing not to let it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, turn us grouchy, you know, because, yeah. and that can eat away at us, you know, and sometimes we can be our own worst enemies sometimes where we mm-hmm. just, you know, allow ourselves to get frustrated mm-hmm. and we take it out on other people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other fun stories from growing up? About growing up? Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of hard to tell some of them, you know, because 
some of them is concerning. My father was an alcoholic, mm. and that didn't settle good with any of us kids. So we just learned how to handle it and, and what to do, and, and you did the best you could do. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough, and it's unfortunately all too common, mm-hmm. you know, and how impactful that can be to kids. Yeah, but it wasn't just one time, you know, it was just all the time. Mm. We grew up wondering how mother could take it. She was a wonderful person. I, I, she had to be because you're a wonderful person. So <laughs> you. <laughs> so how did how did you come to know the Lord, and how did that play a role in you know growing up with your dad as an alcoholic, and you know, how, I guess how how did that impact you? Well, I told you about outside how I would with the kids, you know. See, we would we would end up praying too. And that was a big thing. And our dad would hear that, but he never could change his life. Mm. And it just it just started growing. I'm evidently it's just I'm in, ending up like I'm supposed to because that's the way I was. Nobody actually took me to Sunday school. As a little child, I went myself. And then did you take your siblings with you? Once in a while they would go. They they like going to the Bible school class because mm. you would do different things, a lot of fun things. So cool how he pursues us where we are, you know, even when we mm. don't know. And in that situation where he had a purpose and a plan for you. And so he just really drew you in. And, you know, even though you were surrounded by mm. a lot of worldly things and different things and just mm-hmm. how he, he drew you in and how you, mm-hmm. you know, responded and, and pursued him through that. That's incredible. And, and it, it just, it started growing, you know, it, it just grows in you. And some of these things you don't think of until you get older, how this is happening to you as a child. And um, every time I went somewhere, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to take a hold of someone's hand. And, you know, an adult person, I'm talking as a child that I would, you know, and I, I wouldn't ask Jesus to be with them. Mm. And I went all through. I thought it would change my life completely, moving from Milo to Des Moines, this big town, and going to Amos Hyatt. But as far as my relationship with Christ, it didn't change that. It just grew. And before I even started going to church, I kept looking up a church, and there was a, a place not far from where we were, a few blocks, that was the Salvation Army, you know, mm-hmm. many a nights. And mm-hmm. I was even going to go there so that I could be. And Mother said, you can go there. But then we didn't get started. So so I finally got started to 
got a little older, got started to the Assembly God Church on Army Post Road and did work there. Tell us, what was, what was school like when you were growing up? What was school like? Well, I, my younger days, you know, they was just with school, something you, you had to do, and it was all right. But uh, like at East High, I graduated from East High, and uh, it was uh, kind of a rowdy, but I got along good. I had a lot of friends. If you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give one piece of advice, what would it be? There's so many things that I could give, you know, that maybe wouldn't make any sense to you. But uh, I, I think that even as a Christian, a child growing up, there's so much they have to learn that how important it is to pray mm. as a child. And, and the more you pray as a child growing up, the better it becomes, the more real it becomes. In the same way with reading the Bible, because we had our own Bible that we would read. We go. Uh, mother had. Uh, mother wasn't a church-going person, but she made sure that we, all five and four, five of us kids. We're in the same room at night, and we'd have to all pray. So that was very important to get used to that. And I could never get along without it. Is that something you carried forward with your kids? Yes. They had to pray, too. The, the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think many times we can take it for granted and we gloss over it and we don't we don't give it the emphasis, but God yeah. can do so many amazing, amazing things. Yeah. So it's it's very important. Yeah, I know that was one thing with my parents that, that they did and and I've tried to continue with my kids is, you know, just consistently praying over your kids as well and praying with your kids. Uh-huh. And and being intentional about that, and my parents were really really good about that. And and you and the thing that's important, you can't force them. You think you can, but you can't. It just makes it worse for them. Yeah, it eventually has to become their own, mm-hmm. and you can't do it for them. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, you get you know you get them in a habit. I mean, it's just like, now, I mean, I couldn't, I get up in the morning, and I get dressed, then I go right into the table where my Bible is. You know, and it's something you don't get rid of. It's mm-hmm. something you just have to do, and it's so, it's so important. It's such, a, it's such an easy thing, but like you said, so, so important to, to spend that time and, well, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, but there's something special about first thing yeah. in the morning. So, yeah, you, but if that's the time that you can take, you know, but I, maybe that's why I get up so early. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
then, then I go to prayer, which is wonderful because I think the, my church, my people, my pastors, all those who are sick, mm. so many things that are important that we let go by. So good. Good, good advice. <laughs> good reminder for all of us. Can you tell us about some experiences that you've had with the power of prayer? Well, some of some of them, a lot of them, is uh, someone will come to you after you have prayed them and will tell you what God has done, what He is doing in their lives, and how they are growing. That is, is so wonderful to listen to people who talk like that. It's showing you that you're not wasting the words that God has given you. You're using those words that God has given you, and it works. Do you have any examples of, like, a return on your prayer? I There's a lot, you know, sure. more, more than we really realize that God is answering. People, I mean, the years have gone by, and some of them say, Norma, do you remember all the times that you got me and that you have prayed for me? You know, it's just things like that, and it's just wonderful. Such a good reminder to just, yeah, spend, spend more time praying for people, not give up. Yeah. Just got to keep, keep praying, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, oh, just... Oh, that is wonderful. You know, it's such a wonderful thing to happen. You don't, that you don't even, you're not even aware sometimes. And then it comes to you what is going on. Amazing what God can do when we just are just open to him and pursuing him and just waiting on God for him to move, you know, Mm -hmm. and such a, such a simple thing, but such a powerful thing. You're right. You know, it's more than just it's a blessing, don't get me wrong. It's a blessing coming to church, and, and I miss that an awful lot, that I don't come like, like I used to. But uh, it's just a blessing to know what God is doing, and he handles it the way he wants to, if mm-hmm. we let him. <laughs> well, I know I know of at least one specific story we actually had a podcast with him we recorded not too long ago with Dave Woodcock and his story about how you were praying for him and just how God moved through that and, and just how powerful that is. It's so amazing. I will never, that's something I will never, that God uses me for, that I will never forget to know, to look out in your yard and see a man laying there. That was Dave. That was right after his mother passed away. Mm. And the thing that was sad that we thought that was, I thought I was going to do so good with her because she wouldn't talk to me. And but it just, but God had his way in it. Mm-hmm. It would never, to think that Dave was able to get his mind working to where he could use that. But I, I couldn't. And it wasn't very nice outside. (laughs) (laughs) And he was out there sleeping between her yard and my yard. 
And I said, Bob, there's somebody out there. But I looked closer, I said, it's Dave. And it was just, but he gave his heart to the Lord in a wonderful way. Amen. Look how God's using them. Amen. Yeah, look at all the, the lives that have been touched and how God's used him in ministry and in and, and so many ways. And just, I know it. once again, being focused on others and praying for people and being there and loving on people. Right. So coming back, tell us a little bit more about your husband and kids. Do you need the orneriness? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll take it. We knew it was in there somewhere. <laughs> no, not just because he's gone, Bob's gone now, but I mean, he was just, he was, he was just perfect. I just, I just couldn't say. We just had a wonderful marriage too. Mm. And that was good. That helped out a lot. I didn't care that he, when he was home, I didn't care that he went golfing every day. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a golfer. Mm. And loved the Lord with all his heart. And his church was so important to him. Mm. Whatever he did. That's why he didn't care if I ended up being the custodian. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, what did Bob do for a living? Oh, he worked at John Deere for years. He worked at John Deere? Uh-huh. What did he do there? Welding. Welding? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he worked there. And then we farmed. And then you, then you farmed? Uh-huh. Tell us a little bit more about this farm. Well... What do you want to know? Well, what all did you have on your farm? Cows. Yeah. Hogs. <laughs> crops. And what did you do on the farm? You, you, you were telling me earlier you were, you were pretty busy on the farm. Well, I did everything that a farmer did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love the farm. I love the tractor, and I love driving the tractor. And then... Uh, of course, I had big gardens, and I had a bunch of chickens. And the first thing that my neighbor lady in Des Moines and I decided to do before we moved, that I was going to get chickens, and she was going to buy half of them, and I would get them. And uh, so we got the chicken, and then we would raise them and butcher them. And cold pack them. Okay, guess who ended up butchering them? Me. Because <laughs> she could, we had 200 chickens. Oh, my. We were going to cold pack. And uh, we knew you could wring their necks, you could chop their heads. And so, anyway, we, I chopped their heads. <laughs> And we cold packed all of those chickens. And she came down and got half of them. <laughs> so. But she couldn't do it, huh? Uh-uh. <laughs> Made yeah. you do all of it. Well, she, we canned them together. Mm. We cold packed them together. And then she came down and I had hers ready for her. <laughs> so it was fun. 
And Bob enjoyed the farm, but he enjoyed John Deere, too. <laughs> we had a good time. How long did you guys farm for? Oh, now why did you ask that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'd have to look that all up, <laughs> find it somewhere. So anyway, we had fun. Yeah. We liked it. You liked to keep busy, didn't you? And so tell us a little bit more about your kids. Uh, have you met Bob and Nancy? I have not. Oh, you have a... I have. You have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're in Arizona, back in Arizona. Yep. They, ages ago, they went on a trip there, and they liked it, and they bought a... And then a guy, when they went again, a guy had bought some ground out there, not far from where they were parked their mobile home, motor home, and uh, put little house, well, they're big houses on it, but it's just one great big huge room, which is a bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen, everything, and then a great big uh, patio on the outside, and they bought one of those. And so now they live there, and they were here about all, all s several months, and they just went back. And they won't be back now again until their uh, one of their grandsons graduates in June. So, and they're doing real good, serving the Lord, love the church, and they're doing real good. My Sandy and her husband live in Des Moines. They both were saved when they got married. I don't know what they're not now. They're good kids, but they don't go. They got hurt at the church real bad. Mm. They had a lot of problems, so they don't go. But I'm still praying. Mm. It's important. Yeah, it's tough, you know, going through. And I know a lot of people have been hurt. Yes. And that's that's tough to work through. And yeah, and that's right. Sometimes. The best thing you can do is just pray. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the church, you've been coming here for a really long time to, mm -hmm. to Indianola First Assembly, even before it was in the current building, right? You came in the original location. Yeah, we were some of the first ones that came to this church. But you started coming... To the prior location, it was just to like in a little, little church. The little church. It was a little house. It was great. They had, you know, their. What I can't remember the pastor's name, but they had great services and worked out real good. And you and Bob were got involved, very involved with the church. Mm-hmm. So and he was he was on the board mm -hmm. and taught taught Sunday school classes and mm -hmm. what else did you do at the church? Well, I did. Uh, I was in charge of the kitchen. Were you doing something with missions? Yeah, I helped with the missions. Yeah, a lot helped with that. 
I just was involved in different, so many different things. Yeah, yeah. I was young and I could be involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I started getting older and, and look at me now, I'm not. <laughs> but I enjoy Sunday mornings tremendously. Oh, yeah. I always got to come over and get my Norma hug. Oh. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> where, do you, where do you normally sit on Sunday? <laughs> Across from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I always sit over on that side, clear over, right? Yeah. yeah. And it would be if I can't come in that door, mm-hmm. I, which I come in, the outside door, it's the second, then I come in, it's the second door, and it's the last row in the first seats. You have the outside aisle that goes down, mm-hmm. and then this next one. And I go in, put my coat across those seats. That's where I sit. Sit there right inside door two. And that's where Bob and I, Bob and I always sit. What's a favorite verse or Bible passage that you have? Oh, goodness, I don't know. I like that. Hitherto you ask nothing in my name, asking you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Mm. Once again, power of prayer. Amen. Amen. Any uh, God stories where that you would want to share with us where God may really showed up? Boy, no, that's a hard one. Well, so many, so many of the times has been when Bob was in the service that uh, I just had to right away pray for him. And then he would maybe write and, would write and say this happened and that happened and so forth. But that is probably one of the main ones. Yeah. Any others that you'd want to share? Well, just knowing, just knowing that the church family is there and some of them will pop into your mind, you know, that... uh, Maybe they will ask you, come over and ask me if I would pray for them. Mm-hmm. And that is so important. It doesn't matter whether the prayer is important or not. It's just that they, have, they know they can come to you. Mm-hmm. That is such an important thing because so many people are like that. They, they just... Need someone to pray for them. Yeah, it's so so important to have those relationships within the church and and just be there and be ready. We're all yeah. going to go through tough things in life, and having a family around you mm-hmm. that you can go to and uh, yeah. you know that they're willing to pray for you. And yeah, well, and you know, I I didn't think about this at first, but hugging people is very important. We don't realize that. Now, I don't mean that you have to do it, but you can tell if a person wants a hug. Mm. 
or if they don't want to. So you just don't. But, you know, most people want a hug. Well, and sometimes a hug is more meaningful than any words. Yeah, it really is. That is an important thing, even you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, just the, the relationships and the connection that you can have with people. And sometimes I think we, we complicate it. We try to make, a, make it too difficult. And many times it's just, just simply oh. caring and, and uh, loving mm-hmm. on people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell when a person doesn't want hugs, you know, you can just tell them. Mm. Sometimes they still need a hug. Yeah. Yeah, you still do it. I'll hug you. Okay. <laughs> What's that gentleman's name that sits next to you? Lonnie. Lonnie. Okay. Now, who is he? He would be my father-in-law. Your father-in-law. Okay. Yep. Okay. What are some life lessons that you've learned that you would want to share with others? Life lessons. Yeah. One day at a time. One day. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a really good one. That's a good one. That, that's the thing that we forget about, is that one day at a time. Not realizing that what's happened, that this is going to happen today. And that's it. You just, but it is really just one day at a time. Because we can get up, everything's rosy, everything's wonderful, and wow. Or we can get up the opposite way. Oh, you've done so many things in your life, and I know you've touched so many people by just loving on them and praying for them. And, you know, I know you've been, you know, been dedicated to the church and I know gone through lots of different changes and, and mm-hmm. seasons of, of uh, life and, and just culture and society and everything. There's so much, so much change. And uh, you've been, you know, so committed to your walk through all of that and so committed to Jesus through all of that. It's, uh, that's really inspiring and encouraging to, to others to just stay committed. Yeah. And I love the people. You know, that's, that's goodness. I know I think of people who can't come now, and I think of Audrey Wilson. Do you remember? You don't remember? Dear friend of mine, she and my, she and her husband were close to Bob and I, and he passed away around the same time as Bob did, a couple of years apart. And now she's by herself, not feeling good. And she drives, but she has to be very careful because <laughs> mm. she's sick a lot. And me, I don't drive anymore. <laughs> Norma, we really appreciate you sitting down with us and sharing with us tonight. It was great getting to know you, hearing your stories, and really am just inspired by your 
commitment to being available, praying for people, loving on people, and just the, the joy that you share with people in and out every day. It's, 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 it's incredible. Well, I love the people. I do. I love people. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed this tremendously. Been making a day of it. <laughs> but God is good all the time. Amen. You you said multiple times, I just love the people, you know, and I was just reflecting on that. And I just think about, there's a song talking about just seeing people through God's eyes, you know, and, and, I, and you think about like when the Bible talks about David having, you know, being a man after God's own heart. And you really think about God loves people like that's he just he just, you know, earnestly just absolutely loves people. And you just think like when you think about having the heart of God it's having a heart for people. He just loves people. And so it's just like, that's just something, you know, as I was listening to you talk and you're just like, I just love the people. And it's just so cool to see God's love flowing through you into the people around you. And, you know, how that's just, you know, a challenge to us to to sit back and think about what is our perspective of people? Do we just love people? Because God loves people. Yeah, and you know what? What is so wonderful is, you know, you want to show your love, but there's some people do don't want it, mm-hmm. and it just makes you feel so good when you can reach that person, mm-hmm. and they can open their hearts. That is wonderful. Yeah. Well, and just. Pairing that with your your prayer for people when they don't, you know, when maybe they're not ready to receive it or they're going through things and you're just dedication to prayer and just that's mm-hmm. just a... Don't give up on them. Amen. Amen. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Norma. 